0: All right, would you please turn to Acts 14, that's going to be our text this evening. I'm trying to keep within the window, so do a, what I'm going to do is just a brief context to let us know where this passage resides, and then what we'll do is I'm going to issue two challenges and a warning. So uh, Acts 14 is where we're going to go today, and we're going to look at it in light of some of the things we've been talking about uh, to do with conversion. We've been looking at the root and the fruit of conversion. So let's look at Paul and his example of how he responds to false conversion in Acts 14. So we're actually going to back out a little bit. I've received permission to bring in some more context. Um, so let's start at verse 8, and we'll go through to verse 15. Okay, <clears throat> Acts 14, 8. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. Okay. Jolly good. Okay. Uh, so we see uh, Paul and Barnabas have just been chased out of some other cities in I- uh, Iconium, I believe. Uh, they come to Lystra and they... Um, Immediately start preaching the gospel as they do. I don't know if you know this, but this is the first time the gospel had been presented to pagans, to heathen Gentiles. Up to this point, it had only gone to Jews and also God-fearers, which were Gentiles that were interested in the Jewish God. This is the first time it's been preached to full-on heathens who worship other gods. And as usual, we see that when the gospel is first presented to a people group, it is authenticated by a sign. In this case, the healing of the man lame from birth. Now, obviously, this is a big event for the people of Lystra, and immediately they're amazed, as one would be. But their conversion, as it were, to the personhood of Paul and Barnabas is not under the right motivation. What do they immediately do? They start worshiping Paul and Barnabas as Zeus and Hermes. And you'll see uh, that there was even a temple of Zeus at the entrance of the city. And this guy, priest, comes running with that oxen, and, oh, I want to sacrifice to you, Paul and Barnabas. They have got it wrong. Their worship is directed in the wrong place. They believed in a wrong thing. They did not show repentance. They did not in any way turn from their idols or a vain thing. They did not take God's side against their own sin, as we learned this morning. It was this immediate transition from what they already knew and just focused it on a new object. There was no repentance, no turning. So Paul and Barnabas... Notice this, obviously, very quickly. What's the first thing they do? They tear their clothes. Why do they do that? They weren't hot. They might have been hot, but that's probably not the reason. It's actually an ancient expression of anguish in the presence of blasphemy. That's what they did. They immediately tore their, t- their clothes. So they call it like it is. This is not the right God that you're worshipping. We are not the gods. We are just men. What's the second thing they do? They rush, rush to the crowd to correct their misconception. They don't amble over there. They don't in trepidation, slowly try and mingle with the crowd. They rush over there. And how do they correct the crowd? Very important word, with good news. And in the Greek, same word as also translated gospel in other other passages. So, they correct them with the good news. And what's the message? You look right there in verse 15. The message is to turn from these vain things to trust in a living God. Vain things to a living God. Now this message has been one that's been unchanged throughout Scripture. We see, you can turn to Deuteronomy 31, where Moses tells the Israelites before they go into Canaan, don't go in there following the paganism of the Canaanites. Stick with your faith in the living God. Do not pursue these vain things. Or perhaps it's 1 Samuel 12, not first Samuel 12, 1 Samuel 12. And it's Samuel encouraging them, look, if you don't follow after these vain things and stick with your living God, even though you've been disobedient and asked for a king, it will still be okay. And there are many other passages, Isaiah, and, and it's Isaiah, not Isaiah. Okay. <laughs> Until we come to a passage in Romans. Obviously, this was impactful for Paul. Um, and you read Romans 1, 21 to 23, where he um, makes a statement that uh, mankind, just in general, tends to worship created things, instead of the Creator. And this is borne out in the people of Lystra. So, that's the context, briefly. But what I want us to draw from that is in order for the Lystrians to experience a true conversion and not a false conversion, they needed to do two things. They needed to turn From their sin, from vain things, and trust in a living God. And then will they be truly converted. So from that context, I want to draw two challenges and a resultant warning. Challenge one. I want us, as we go out there this week and for the rest of our lives, to have the same attitude as Paul and Barnabas when you see pagans or the unsaved pursuing vain things. What did they do? They rushed to them with desperation to correct them with the good news. Rushed. You say, well, are there people out there that need to hear this message today? And the answer may obviously be yes. But let's be more specific than that. What were the Lutherans actually doing? They were worshipping men as gods. What do we have out there today? There's something called secular humanism, which sets up man as the ultimate being. It's pervasive throughout our culture, in our schools and universities. There's a lot of work to be done to correct the idea that man is the ultimate being, the evolutionary idea. What else? The Lystrians were pluralistic. They worshipped many gods. But we look out there today, as modern pluralism and universalism, which says there are many ways to God and this is the same idea. The good news can correct them of that false notion. Lystrians are also very mystical in their religious practice. We think that weird. But a quick Google search will reveal how many new age groups there are in Fayetteville, Arkansas. There's a lot. This is not new. This is not old. This is also relevant for today. And the Lystrians were pagan in a lot of their ritual and practice. And we think that antiquated. What is this pagan idea? That sounds like an old word. But I'll have you know that you all just missed the Arkansas Pagan Pride Festival, which took place on September the 8th. It's out there, outside these walls, right here, right now. Pagans. So the Lystrians are not too different from people of Northwest Arkansas. The need is just as urgent as it was then. But also, what about nominal or cultural Christians in our own lives who confess belief but do not actually turn from their sin? And that's a great difference. They need to be challenged too. So, there are still plenty outside our door that need to be corrected by the good news and we need to have that desperation to rush to them with that good news and, ch- and, and ask them you need to turn away from these vain things and this brings me to my next challenge rush to them but also challenge to point them to a living God he's not a created being that's what the Lystrians were doing they were worshipping Created beings, Paul and Silas. He is not a created He is not a He's the living God, he's not a created being, but the Creator. And therefore, He is vastly superior to any vain graven image or idea. Jesus is the resurrected Christ who is living, loving, personal, and perfect. He is the matchless Lord. There's the only one who is worthy of worship and turning to. That's it. No other avenue of worship is worthy. No other conversion is acceptable. So, two challenges. Rush to the pagan and point them to the living God. But I have a warning. This could be costly to you. Again, in context, if you move down to verse 19 of Acts 14 it says but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead so it was extremely costly for Paul to run in there and correct them with the good news you may not be stoned here in Fayetteville but there is a great deal of reputational risk that could be involved But that is the risk we have to take. That is the cost we have to pay or be willing to pay. So, as we put into practice the living out of the root and the fruit of conversion and as we rush to those who need to hear the good news, make sure that you're willing to pay this price. And I urge you to do so this week and for the rest of your life here on earth.